Hey guys, Agent M here with Mr. Al Snow. Al, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. If I were any better, I'd make myself a drug and snort me. That is how <laughs> awesome I am here at the C2E2. It's, uh, we're having a good time, we're talking. I had no idea you were such a big comic book fan, and I apologize for not knowing that sooner. That's all right, I'll forgive you. It's, Thank you. You know, it's everybody has to make a mistake, and that was your one, and we'll, we'll let it go on. So. I appreciate it. How'd you get into Marvel? God, I was uh, a huge Marvel fan when I was a kid. I was actually more uh, uh, loyal to Marvel and the characters of Marvel than I was in uh, DC. Um, I didn't, as a kid, I didn't really have any affiliation with DC. Once in a while, I would purchase a, a DC comic book, but as a kid, it was all Marvel. You yeah. know, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, just you name it. And even really, Captain America it wasn't, wasn't all that in a bag of chips. Spider-Man. Definitely, but uh, as a kid, I was really strictly Marvel. I, uh, it, what, uh, what period were you start? Did you like get into comics? Did you start reading 70s, 80s, 90s? Uh, I got into this will kind of date me because I'm old. Uh, probably late 60s. Okay. And then all through my childhood, uh, into my teens because I was a nerd, and then uh, uh, I kind of got out of them um, for a few years. And um, I travel so much, so I have to do something when I'm on the plane or something like that. So I read constantly. So I've read every piece of classic literature and ran out of that, started reading um, paperback books because it's easier to travel with them. Uh, really like the fantasy uh, adventure stuff, but most of those are in trilogies. And then you buy one book and then you have to wait six months for the next book. Well, now I'm, I'm traveling next week, so. You know, so I started buying the uh, graphic novels back when they were separate uh, storylines. They weren't trade paperbacks. And um, ran out of those because they weren't published quick enough. <laughs> and then I started buying the weeklies again. And then, and that was probably, probably 15 or 20 years ago that I uh, started buying the weeklies again and then have been reading them every week ever since. Yeah, Blake said you, you like opened your bag and you had a bunch of print comics oh, yeah. that you would travel with, yeah. which I think, I mean, that's great, but I travel not as much as, as most of the wrestlers we talk to, but I travel a fair bit and I'm like, I don't want to take anything with me. I like that constantly lugging that stuff around. So I would definitely want to get you on digital because that'll be the, that'll be the thing. I, I've got to make the transition. I've, I have, you know, with uh, DC has uh, Injustice, and you know they've been, and that, which is an awesome story. They've been doing a fantastic job, but and I know this is Marvel, and I shouldn't say that, and I'll probably be caught. I'll catch on fire instantly for <laughs> doing it. But, um, but they were publishing on the digital faster than they were on the paper, and so I I started. That was my real first foray into the digital world, and I loved it. I mean, yeah. it was it was great. You know, I could just take it on my phone and. Uh, and, and, and Here's the biggest thing, and I know everybody likes, you know, from the, the old days when you collected the comics and all that, um, and I still do, like, but I'll keep a year's worth of comics and then I donate them to the uh, uh, runaway shelter, to the children's home, uh, so that, you know, hopefully the kids will read them, and, you know, I really think, honestly, that, uh, you know, comics are uh, a great gateway for kids to learn how to read, but how to understand the higher concepts, uh, grander ideas, uh, and and a, get a greater vocabulary. 100%. I mean, I, there's so many words that I 
have in my vernacular simply because I've been reading Such comics. Is, yeah, like most people probably wouldn't use this. I don't know. I guess I do. Uh, a lot of comics over the years. Right. Uh, no, that's really cool. Um, we do something. Have you read any of the infinite comics that we do? Because yeah. similar, yeah, okay. So similar to, you know, they DC publishes their some of their stuff digital first. Right. Our infinite comics, I mean, that to me is... It's such a cool concept that I love that we're doing that. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm an old guy, so I'm so used to buying and having it in my hands yeah. that I'm slowly making the transition to the, the digital age. But, you know, for me, it'll be so much better because, you know, I carry them on the plane. I have to make sure I take them off. Uh, then I take them home, and then I end up with this huge stack you know, and then when I before I would donate them, I just, you know, three or four years, I just had this enormous pile of comic books, which is great. Yeah. But, you know, uh, you know, now it's with used to, I would go back and I'd read a storyline or something like that. But with the, you know, the new uh, bent where you have the story arcs, where you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then they encapsulate all that in a trade paperback. Well, I just go get the trade paperback sometimes and. I'll reread the story if I really enjoyed it. You yeah, know, definitely. so what's uh, what are you reading right now? What's what's fun that you're into? Uh, well, the Injustice one's been really good. Uh, the uh, I'm trying to think of uh, off the top of my head on uh, all the Avenger titles right now. Storylines have been been uh, excellent, um, and uh, I'm trying to think of uh, off the top of my head. Big Black Panther fan. Uh, Huge. Blake, Blake said that <laughs> you yelled at him Priest. yesterday. Oh, and yeah. I, he wasn't sure what storyline. And I was asking, was it yeah, Kirby was, stuff? Was it Chris Priest no, stuff? Chris like, Priest. Yeah. Because I, honestly, I think Christopher Priest did the best. Like Grant Morrison, uh, or not? Uh, yeah, Grant Morrison redefined Batman. I like what Frank Miller did. Everybody says they redefined Batman, but Grant Morrison redefined Batman as the narcissistic paranoid, over-planning, highly intelligent, you know... Uh, that JLA run. Right. Oh, my God. And, and to the point where now everybody uses that characteristic in all their stories. And, you know, Black Panther was kind of, I think, to some degree, like Marvel's Batman to a degree. Not 100%. And a lot of people could argue that, I guess. But for years, he was just like some guy in a sock, you know. You know, and it looked like he was going to rob a convenience store. But Christopher Brees gave that uh, Michael J. Fox character to kind of discuss and describe all the intricate plans that, you know, the Panther had already laid out well before anyone else. And, you know, the way Priest wrote him, he was a lot more kick-ass, too. Yeah. You, know, he, you know, he wasn't afraid to take the fight to somebody. And now they've carried that forward in the like in the Illuminati storylines and you know where he doesn't back down from Namor he's like you know look I'll, I'll kill you <laughs> and it's like that pivotal character development is what really will will sell a story it's not so much what a character does it's who that character is and why they do what they do when they do it that allows a regular person to relate to it and then get involved in the story yeah. and I, you know, I think, you know, I don't know whatever happened to Christopher Priest. I don't know why he quit. I know, don't know. I don't either. I yeah. mean, I don't know why he stopped writing. And it was such an awesome, entertaining run. And before, you know, I had read that, I, you know, it was like, well, Black Panther was always like that secondary, 
all, you know, kind of Aquaman-ish, <laughs> you know, Marvel characters. And then I'm not knocking it, you know. Well, uh, that's kind of a knock. It that's okay. kind of a knock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, uh, Aquaman, Aquaman is a knock. Yeah, he made tuna, sandwich, tuna fish sandwiches at the, <laughs> at the Hall of Justice. <laughs> Get everybody beer. <laughs> but he sent some fish out to the store. Um, but, uh, you know, but with, with the, that, with Christopher Priest, you know, the writing, you know, we, Blake and I talked about that yesterday. I mean, I don't think the general audience understands how sophisticated and, and how in-depth the writing has become, how much more adult, how much more um, uh, the character development uh, and the interaction as a result of it, you know. And uh, what blew me away, I think, was the storyline with uh, that Bendis and, the, and everybody did that was like seven years in the, the yeah. making, you know what I mean? That started with, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it started with the Secret War or something, and it, but it culminated in with the Skrull invasion, and, yeah, you, I mean, and you could go back, and you could literally see where everything played like a piece of the puzzle, and that, that requires a tremendous amount of vision to be able to pull all of that together over that length of time, and to and commitment to yeah. be able to be committed to the story for that period of time yeah, too. Part of it is also trust in in the, the staff and the creators. Yeah. Like, you know, for us to say, okay, we're gonna let you do this long game over these years, knowing that, hey, at some point, like if you something could go wrong and like that, boom, we have to go off in a different direction, but we trust you, we're gonna go this way. Yeah. We have these things called editorial retreats every with two or three times a year where we bring in like eight writers, all the editorial staff and a bunch of like schmucks like me hang out and, and take notes and it's with they you just watch them plan out the next couple of years of comics yeah. it's like i know where we are in 2016 right now because really? of that which is insane like and i think it's amazing. brilliant that's yeah. amazing and it gives you an ability to you know develop your characters and your personalities in a direction that you know that's at some point is going to pay off you know you know that this character needs to have this particular nuance about their personality because Six months from now, they're going to turn on, you know, the entire group or whatever, and this is the reason why. And I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that because the correlation between professional wrestling and, you know, all of wrestling is is just a live-action comic book. I mean, that really is all we are. And and some of our our best writing is when uh, is when we try to look six months, eight months, a year ahead of time and go, okay, this is where we'd like to be, this is where we'd like this guy to be. Now let's start slowly planting seeds so that by the time we get there, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I know it's not, not your company, but I think that's what WWE did well with Daniel Bryan over the last year or so. Like, they, they had a long story for him that culminated in a good way. Well, we hope it, they had a long story. I don't know. Yeah. In my head, they, yeah. I'm like, okay, that, I hope. I, I hope so, too, but I, I have a funny feeling that... <laughs> They kind of had a story, but I think they kind of jumped on the bus a little bit, too. So, That's which, fair. Which is fine. I yeah. mean, you know, it's the divine providence of accident. You take advantage of some, you know, you create a direction, but you always leave yourself open to where you can, you know, jump on and anything that happens to come along, too, at the time. So um, I have to point this out, though. I, I don't know who wrote the ending to Superior, Superior Spider-Man, but I was so disappointed. Why is that? Why? Okay, it's so great a story. Mm -hmm. At first, I was a little, 
I was a little suspect because when they killed off Peter Parker, very grandstand play. Okay, I didn't even buy the first one. I didn't even buy the second one. Didn't even buy the third one. Then somebody, uh, I think it was Christopher Daniels, was like, oh, you got to read, you know, Superior Spider-Man. I'm like, I don't know about this. He goes, no, you really have to read it. It's really good. All right. So I go pick up all those four issues or whatever I'd missed, and I was like, wow, that was awesome. Why? Because of the actual attention to logical detail that made sense for being the displacement of his personality. I got it, okay? Now, all of the detail and the, the uh, to build Doc Ock and his personality within Peter Parker's story, and you didn't just wipe Peter Parker out, it took months to finally almost dissolve him completely, and then the end, bang, Doc Ock in one moment has a realization in one moment, one moment that took you months of a story to build, it took him 30 seconds to realize that he cared enough for this girl, that he wanted Peter Parker to live and him to die. 30 seconds? I think there was a little bit of influence in there from Peter. I think there's a lot. I think somebody watched it along. No, I don't think so, because this has been our plan the whole time. Like, this was, the end point was always going to be here and now, and this was the way the story was coming together. Could not give it a little more depth? Maybe the execution doesn't fit what you were hoping for. But I also will say there's more to it. There will be more that we see come out in Amazing Spider-Man. Sure, but not for for that moment, which was a pivotal moment. There should have been more angst. There should have been more drama. There should have been more between Parker and... Doc Ock to where he finally comes to that decision as opposed to just Doc Ock going, yeah, you know what, I can't do this on my own. You got to do it. Yeah. Feel free. Hey, Judy. Judy, can you see if Nick Lowe is here? I don't think he is yet. We got a bone to pick with him. Nick Lowe is the editor of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I got to, clearly I should have a discussion with him. (laughs) I mean, this whole story was fantastic, but you're going to give me all of that and then when we come up to the pivotal ending point, it's just going to be, oh, yeah, I don't think I can do this. How about you come on in, Peter, and swing him by? Oh, sure. <laughs> well, we're done. What? Seriously? That's it? So Fair criticism. I actually haven't heard that, but I, I can see totally where you're coming from. Yeah, I love the story. I mean, all of it was was terrific, you know, and, and, the, and the interaction with characters that were existent in his world that interacted with not just, you know, Mary Jane and all those people, but... And that's that's another the aftermath and has been a little too tidy. Just a little too tidy. It just there's not Well we haven't seen the full aftermath. I know we have not seen the full aftermath. I know there is a (laughs) lot more, I understand, but it's a little too just one and done and let's you know. Fair. But on a since I said a negative, I'll say a positive. There was um, remember when you guys did uh, um, you did a Spider-Man arc, but it was, uh, I forget the name of the title, and you had different writers uh, writing from the perspective of other characters in Spider-Man's world. When was, do you remember whenabouts this was? Uh, Raven wrote one of the stories. Uh, 
Russell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Spider-Man's Tangled Web. Yes, yes. Yes. And some of those stories were oh, the Rhino story. And the one that got me the most was the cab driver. Do you remember that story? I don't remember that one. When he was going to rob, uh, commit a, a robbery because his son was dying from cancer. And I forget the whole story, but it was so deep and such not the typical what you would expect uh, a comic book story to be. And I, uh, you know, was really, was really impressed with it. So yeah, no, those are, those are awesome. Yeah. We do, a, we do a thing on our on the regular episode of the podcast where we pick random books that we want people to read from our digital service. And I've been thinking about how we incorporate some of the Tangle Web oh, stuff. Yeah. Those are so good. Some of those were fantastic. Yeah. You know, to see it from the viewpoint of the people that interacted with the character as opposed to always from the yeah. character's viewpoint was it was a completely different what was character. the one that raven wrote did he write the crusher hogan one yeah he wrote nah, that crusher hogan one is he wrote the wrestling one i think that's a good one that's yeah. a, a killer yeah. one yeah. there was a I, I hear there was a wrestling panel here today or yesterday really? wrestling and comics panel and i i had no idea because i would have i would have gone and i assume there's a whole bunch of wrestlers here they would have been involved yeah i wasn't i you know of course nobody knows that i like comic books <laughs> so you know that's my own uh my own little secret yeah uh, and i keep seeing characters up on the screen that just brings up new you know moon knight why do we keep dropping the ball with that guy have you read the new one i started the first it's one. super weird so it's, it's a very eclectic book right and and it always starts out like really good and then it goes off like where did that go? Yeah. You know, and then it just drops off. You know, uh, uh, but I read I read that one, and the, the Hulk one, the the new Hulk is who shot Bruce Banner is yeah. fascinating. I, I'm very interested. I like the new Magneto take, more of a real world yeah. kind of take. I'm interested to see what they do with Iron Fist. I was always a favorite character. I always liked. So I I, I don't know if I'm really digging the Inhuman thing, the, that storyline. But yeah. you know, I like the uh, the the recent. Uh, uh, Secret Avengers storyline with the Mockingbird. Yeah, to, to maim a Mockingbird. That was, that was really good, and I'm sure yeah. there'll probably be some more ramifications as you go forward with that. Yeah, I would assume, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we just restarted Secret Avengers um, with one of the writers, and it's it's super. It's like weird and funny and quirky, and really, I think it works really yeah, I well. Yeah, I picked up that one too. Because nice. I still buy them. I know. I still have to read them. One in, so you said you travel a lot. What's your weekly? What's a weekly schedule like for you? Uh, well, I drove here from Louisville, Kentucky. It was about a five-hour drive. Yesterday, I'll drive back tonight. I will be on the airplane at 5.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, to go to Orlando, Florida for uh, pay-per-view for TNA, Impact Wrestling. I'll be there Monday and Tuesday for TV tapings. I'll come home Wednesday. I'll leave Thursday night so that I can go to Wisconsin for the live events in Racine and Lacrosse for Impact Wrestling. I'll come home Sunday, I'll leave Tuesday so I can go to Orlando for TV on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, pay-per-views, Sunday pay-per-views, and then I'll come home Monday. Uh, Friday I will leave and go to Mississippi for two days, then I will be going to England for four days at the end of the month. Wow, that's intense. So. What is your role now with Impact? Uh, I'm a producer, uh, or what we call an agent. I basically uh, tell other grown men how to fake fight other grown men in their underwear. Um, you know. You hey, really sell it. That's glamorous. Yeah, it is so glamorous. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I don't think you want to do that yet, do that now. You know, I, I'm an editor. Yeah. But, you know, like a physical editor, yeah. I guess you could say. More uh, so. I've been a, a big fan of yours in ECW days, through WWE days, like a, the head gimmick back when, it, you know, when you started it. I was... I was one of those kids, you know, like chanting along, really excited, very, very into it. Um, is it what? What is the current group? Because Impact has a lot of young, young guys coming in. How are do they? How do they, you know, react to you? Like to your advice, your direction, stuff like that. Are they very receptive? Most of the time, yeah. I mean, uh, which is flattering. Um, uh, some, you know, it's it's difficult for some because they've already been performing for. X number of years, and they have a certain set thought process and idea of what they think works, and they feel that they're to a certain degree successful. Where I want them to do other things, more character-driven, yeah. uh, and they're more focused on, oh, I got to do this move and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's not going to make you where you want to be. So, you know, and I tell them all, it's it, it, the most successful characters are. The characters that you can describe to your friends or family in a sentence or less, you know, even even comic book characters. That's what drives, you know, uh, an audience. The general audience is when your friends or family come to you, go, oh, you got to watch this, you got to read this. There's this guy, and he's ABC. And if you can't encapsulate who that character is in a, oh, you got to get him, and he's this, 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 it's not going to sell. No matter how good the character is, no matter how well the story's written, no matter if they can't relate to it in that span, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So totally. I try to get the, the the talent, the younger guys, to focus more on and 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 being the same character from point A to point Z. Not you can be, you know, a, a Native American uh, warrior in the back. Uh, you're down the ramp, you're still the Native American warrior, and then all of a sudden the bell rings and you just become a guy in tights. Well, great, you wrestle fantastic, but that's not worth selling. We're selling this, and you stopped selling that, and now people are disconnected and not gonna pay to see it. So, you know, it just doesn't work. So the, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's challenging in some ways. Um, uh, and sometimes I wish I was just the wrestler again because it was a lot easier just to worry about my one match and not worry about about four or five. But, uh, you know, it's fun. I, I do magic for the blind, too. It's, it's a great way to get back to the community. Um, they love card tricks. Just love them. I got to say ta-da after every trick because they don't know anything happened. You know, like, is this your card? I don't know. It is. Ta-da. I don't really have to practice. But, you know, I do it for you, but you're not going to appreciate it. So no, I, I, I won't get it. Like, why does he keep saying ta-da all the time? And not, he's not doing anything. But it works well on a podcast. The theater of mind, it's amazing, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I, I apologize for this question because I bet you get asked it a lot. What is your favorite match that you were in? I, yeah, I do get that a lot. And it's. And I, I say it selfishly because I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I, I, I wish I could say one. And it, this will sound like a cop-out answer, but... I've been I've been wrestling for 32 years, and just to get to do it was always such a thrill that uh, I don't know if I could just say one thing. You know, every time I got to go out there and perform to any degree was just such a rush. I I don't know how to describe it. It's it's like being a 
movie star, a rock star, an athlete, a soap opera star, a stunt guy, all, everything all wrapped in one, yeah. you know, and it, there's there's nothing else like it. I mean, it's like being a, a real superhero. I imagine. You got your own special abilities and you have a, you know, you're running around in spandex and, you know, and they're bad guys and they're good guys and, you know, it's pretty much, it's, it's like living in a comic book. I mean, it really is. It's, you know, it's the most ridiculous way for a grown adult to make a living. <laughs> And I've got to do it for 32 years, so I can't pick just one moment sure. because I got to tell you, it's been awesome. I don't, you know, I don't have to grow up. I, you know, I, I used to be able to sleep late, but now <laughs> I got to get on planes at 5:30 and 6:30 in the morning. But I'm hanging out with you here at this comic book convention, which is amazing, and for no other reason than because I fake fight other men in my underwear and carry a plastic head and talk to them and. And you know, act insane. So yeah, I get to tell people that superheroes are cool, and I get paid for it. So I, it's, it's a yeah. great life that we get to live. Yeah, it's, you know, who doesn't want to be us, yeah. right? Yeah. Come on. Haha, -ha, deal with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where can fans find you online? Uh, well, I have a Facebook page, um, and then uh, I have a Twitter, the Real Al Snow. I just put up jokes all the time, uh, surprisingly, uh, lots of nonsense. Um, so uh, and. Uh, Eventually, I plan on putting a website together, which will be under the real Al Snow. Why the real Al Snow? Because there were actually some people who faked being Al Snow. I would kindly write them and go, you should aim higher. Because <laughs> if I were going to want to be a celebrity, I would not pick me. I would certainly pick any number of other ones that are far more cooler. But hey, you want to set the bar low, go ahead. Did you get verified on Twitter? Yes, I okay, got verified on Twitter, good. which, you know, was a big moment for me, you know. It was, you know, now I... I can look, point to my parents and go, see, I told you. I'm verified on Twitter, which, God. That's, that's, so that's it. That's yeah. the thing. And my mom's like, what's that? <laughs> what, what's this Twitter thing? What are you talking about? What? All right, Mom, thanks. <laughs> awesome, Al. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you. it. This is Marvel, your universe.